brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. It's sippin' time. Hey, welcome to the Sips episode on Sips, Suds, and Smokes, where everything good in life is worth discussing. We are the best thing on at 2 a.m. This is a one-hour show that's mildly entertaining for 22 minutes. I think oh, we'll make it that long today, Harm. I will make it 25, but I have to point out this. <laughs> The intro was all about suds. This is a sips. Uh, yeah, I know, but this is definitely. You've a been sips drinking. Show. No. <laughs> uh, we are uh, working hard. We've been banned in three countries, one entire state, six municipalities, and cousin Harold will still not speak with us. Our soft goal is to offend. You never liked that kid anyway. I agree. One soft goal, at least one person, <laughs> uh, we offend on each episode. Today's target is probably everyone that likes or hates bad fake British accents. Or I should say Scottish, Scottish Scottish accents. I'll be playing the part of Sean Connery, who is playing a southerner trying to get some good scotch. Like I'm that. Gonna, I'm going to be playing the part of Sean Connery pretending to be a dead, ancient, uh, immortal Spanish guy in, in uh, that Highlander movie. <laughs> I yeah. love that movie, man. Don't talk shit about Highlander. <laughs> you may have to bleep me. Well, you got to love that. Uh, well, listen, uh, we have a great lineup here. Uh, I'm good old boy Mike. Joining me here at the table is Made Man Bob. Always good to be here. And good old boy Harmeet. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> Again. I know. <laughs> it's a questionable moment. but Well, uh, Bob is joining us from the uh, Bourbon Mafia. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Bourbon Mafia there. Uh, the Bourbon Mafia is a uh, group of uh, high-end bourbon enthusiasts and industry professionals. Uh, we do a lot of charity work through rare bottle auctions and other events. Uh, we have uh, 42 members in 11 different states. A great group of people. Yep. Thank you very much, and I really enjoyed spending a lot of time with the uh, folks in the Bourbon Mafia, and a uh, real pleasure to uh, be here with uh, everyone. So, a uh, very interesting uh, show we have lined up. Our sip segments are all about wine, distilled spirits, tea, or coffee. Today's episode is all about scotch. Scotch. It's from uh, Glenmorangie. How, how did I do on Glenmorangie. Glenmorangie. Uh, yes, and uh, I'm going to try to pronounce it at least five different ways. Well, Gl- Glenmorangie is wrong. Yeah. Just stop that one. Okay, all right. So Morangie is wrong. We got that, we that part. Yeah. And, but where's the U? Glenmorangie. 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 There's no You've U. You've got to roll the R's. It's Glenmorangie. there, laddie. So, yes, um, for sure. We have a lot of great products uh, from Glenmorangie to talk about today. Here is the products we're going to go through. This is not their entire product lineup. So, we've selected a few products, six to go over. We're going to discuss the original, Land Santa. La Santa. La Santa. La Santa. Okay. I, although I have to say that you have it typed wrong here, so you pronounced it right for your typing, which I'm is gonna, totally wrong. I'm going to say that 
I'm going to give myself the bell for that. So, <laughs> the uh, Quinta Ruban. Quinta Ruban. Uh, yep. So I knew I got screwed that one up. There you go. Uh, Nectar Door. Bingo. Oh, well, how about that? Go. I got that one right. And uh, uh, Capanta. Oh, he says good for that. And uh, Milsan. Milsan. Milsan, I'm sorry, yes. Because in Scotland, S-E-A-N is Sean. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So um, It's not like America. What was the count there on six? I think I got. I went four and two. Yeah, that's is pretty that, good. Is that yeah, pretty, yeah, good? Not bad. pretty good? Not bad for Mike today, everybody. I almost screwed up uh, very little through that uh, entire lineup there. Well, listen, uh, we are actually recording this live at the Gator Club in downtown Sarasota, Florida, where there are high-quality motorized scooters, and you actually obtain some of the best dentures in the state side of Florida. It's also home to the Sarasota Whiskey Society, a group that we should have actually paid more heavily to show up for today's show. Did you pay them at all? Uh, That's what, probably why they didn't show up. We uh, we should have given them more free stuff. That's we for sure. Paid them in Confederate money. Yeah, there you go. The problem. Um, I like most of them because uh, they have most of their natural teeth, and none of them have their first name that start with the letter Q. So I think that's there you, you know there you go. That's all you can ask. Aspect in life. Well, welcome to Florida, by the way, Mike. Thanks for coming down to visit us. Yeah, it is uh, really great that we actually get to record in the same room. We don't. That's a luxury that we have not had doing, and uh, it's a real pleasure. Brought to you without the miracle of Skype. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we're going to go through uh, each of these products today. We have a pretty full lineup. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the history of uh, Glenmorangie uh, to kind of get going. And then we're going to uh, jump right in to talk about some of these products that we just go along. I've asked Harmeet to kind of go through the background on Glenmorangie. Um, so I, I had one quick story before we jump into this. So Thank you, because I had a mouthful of whiskey at that yeah, time. Yeah, he was working on it. <laughs> I knew he needed me to vamp. So uh, the samples we're tasting today, I really have to... Thank uh, Glenn Moore and she's brand ambassador, uh, David Blackmore. Blakemore. Yeah, Blackmore. Blackmore. Yeah. Uh, for uh, dropping off uh, the samples for us to enjoy for today. He is one of the whitest men I've ever met, and his name is Blackmore. <laughs> I know. He is so funny. Uh, so uh, Trust me, spend time with him. He's funnier than you think he is. I, I, this seems like... David's a great guy. David, thank you very much for allowing us to have the samples. We yeah. really appreciate it. It's really great, and I got to... Spent a lot more time with David uh, during another uh, event. We we're actually here in Sarasota attending the Whiskey Obsession Festival, um, which you'll probably get to hear about on another episode about the entire festival. David was a speaker at one of the events uh, for the festival, and so he was sitting up at the, at the front, and I was watching, and everyone was raising their hands, uh, toasting stuff, and I noticed that David was always raising a glass with his left hand. And so I was sitting around a group of people, and I said, uh, you know, there's something uh, very interesting about this. Why is always the Scotch guy raising the glass with his left hand? And they looked at me and I went, because, laddie, you don't want to be knowing what he's doing with his right hand. <laughs> so, That's exactly right. Oh, I'm sorry. That Especially does, when you're tasting some of it. I, yeah, I, I, I think, that, I I think that, that joke actually sucks. So. Yeah. <laughs> But David really enjoyed it. The joke would be better, but your 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 delivery's off, Mike. It was less I, drinking before the show. I, I more drinking. I think would probably <laughs> yeah uh, be more the, uh, more is much better. Yep, definitely more is always better. All right, back to the background uh, for Glenn Morangie. Harmy, take it away. All righty. Well, today we're drinking Glenn Morangie. 
And Glenmorangie is a Highland single malt distillery that uh, they're on the Spey side, the eastern side of Scotland in the Highlands. And they are famous for having the tallest stills in Scotland. Um, the reason they have the tall stills is because it gives them the character of whiskey that they're looking for. Having taller still lets the lighter uh, distillates get to the top before hitting the condenser coils. So this, that's the nature of their, their spirit. The base spirit for all of these is a lighter, sweeter style because of those the stills and they're you know they're full copper stills. They make um, several different whiskeys. We they make a ten year old original, an eighteen year old, a twenty five year old, and then they also make these special casks and cask finishings and extra matured bottles. And then they have a bunch of premium ones, including things like Pride nineteen seventy one and Pride nineteen eighty five. You know if you want to spend five to ten thousand dollars on a whiskey. They've got those as well. That's all I normally drink. Well, yeah. not, not everyone's made of money like the lawyers at the table with me. <laughs> well, the distillery uh, has been around for uh, quite a long time, and in 1918, it was purchased by the uh, Leith firm McDonald & Muir, and the McDonald family retained control for almost 90 years. Uh, and because of uh, the Great Depression and, and uh, World War II, they suffered really badly and prohibition, of course. So uh, they ended up having to be shut down and mothballed between 31 and 36. After the Depression ended and World War II ended, um, there was a shortage of fuel and barley. So again, they had more money problems and they were mothballed again between 1941 and 1944. When exports of whiskeys uh, started coming up, uh, they, they ramped up production. And towards the end of the war, they increased production by running to full capacity by 48. So the number of stills, they, they went from those two big copper stills to four of them and in 1977. And then because they got so popular, now they had a problem with the water supply. The water supply in the 70s, they had, they had access to Tarlogi Springs. And because of the quality and the quantity of the water was very important to them, they decided to purchase 600 acres around that spring and they were engaged in expansion again. So they expanded and then in the 90s, they had um, four more stills and two more fer fermentation vessels. So they just keep growing and growing into the 2000s and then in the, in the 90s again, or the early 2000s, the McDonald family sold uh, production, sold their, their, their share for 300 mil million pounds to, uh, Moet Hennessy Louis Vuitton. Wow, he butchered that. <laughs> Moet Hennessy Louis Vuitton. That's correct. That's correct pronunciation. The, see, the, the umlaut over the e means Moet. It's not Moet. Every all Americans pronounce it Moet. I got corrected by a French dude, a very supercilious French dude. It's Moet. I say Moet, Moet Hennessy Louis Vuitton. Oh, listen, uh, we're going to take a, a quick break here, have a grand debate about the pronunciation of that. Harmeet is. There's a lot of stuff to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to cover some more background on Glenn Morangie as we return after this commercial break. Come right on back and enjoy some more of Sips, Suds, and Smokes on today's Sips episode on Glenn Morangie.
Hey, welcome back to Sips, Suds, and Smokes today. On our Sips episode, we're going through a distillery takeover, and we are featuring a scotch called Glenmorangie. And we have a lot of different products. Harmeet was going through an extensive background. We have, and I'm going to let you pick it up right there and pick well, up. Well, let, let me cut down some Moet. of the background. So it's not Moet. <laughs> Moet in 2004 brought the company ah, and they sure. it is Moet. they did this is these are the bottles you're going to find on the shelves today in 2004 they changed the shape of the bottle they made it more curvy sexy but does it end the way you say Moet? <laughs> Moet 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 Hennessy anyway so these guys did the uh, curvy bottle that you're familiar with they they updated the labels and they they introduced new lines so they took that original 10 year old and they do something which other single malt whiskey distillers don't do is they take instead of making like oh here we have a 10 here we have 12 and 18 and we have all these different 12s or whatever different uh types of whiskey they all start from different base whiskeys glenmorangie does this thing where they take the exact same glen exact same base whiskey the 10 year old and they take that and do it different treatments so they have two years in a sherry cask gives you la santa two years in a port cask gives you quinta ruban two years on sauterne casks which the rumor is is most of it is from chateau de Kem, which we cannot verify that because they're not allowed to say that without paying for it, i'm sure is nectar d'or and then you have a lot of other uh, those are the, the main line right there then they have other private editions which we're going to have several of them tonight and um, all these different casks, they, they, because the casks are so important, and Dr. Bill Lumsden is very concerned about producing his casks properly, they're not just buying from your American bourbon producers. They ended up buying a forest and um, a cooperage in Missouri, in the Ozark Mountains, and they make their own barrels. So they take their own uh, white oak barrels, they make their own, they do their own thing, cooperage, they do three years to, to uh, dry the oak, they put these, or two to three years actually, and then they lease the barrels to the American whiskey makers. So they're not buying them from the whiskey makers, they're leasing to the whiskey makers and then getting them back after the Americans make their bourbon in them. So people like Jim Beam and Heaven Hill are buying Glenmorangie barrels and then giving them right back to Glenmorangie. And this wood management is what sets Glenmorangie apart. They really do have amazing things. In fact, they use uh, some limited edition ones they bought from Chateau Margaux. And these guys do great uh, whiskey. And, and really, I, I've, I've talked too much about the basics. We need to get down to the tasting. Well, I really love the story about the cooperage, you know, with uh, Glenmorangie. And I think one of the things that I, uh, not only just owning, physically owning the forest, uh, you know, itself, And they replant. They, yeah, they, they harvest uh, and they replant. Is... Uh, they actually control where their barrels go. So they just don't lease their barrels to anybody. They actually very consistently only lease to certain places. So they actually know what spent barrels they're getting in advance, you know, to try and maintain the quality and control of their products. Well, some so. of the better scotch distilleries do the same thing in, in, in Spain with uh, sherry casks. They're literally taking sherry casks and, and, and paying for them up front. And the people in Jerez are filling them with sherry, aging the sherry, and then they take delivery back of the cast that they actually own. So it's, it's something that they're doing in more than one continent. So the, the wood management is something that, like well, you the, said... The dirty little secret behind that is half the sherry that these guys are producing 
is of not that great quality, and yeah. they're actually dumping that stuff. They can't yeah. sell it. Wow. Yeah. They're, they're, they're aging the barrels, and they're dumping the wine. They're actually yeah. making more money just off the uh, barrels yeah, barrel. Barrel. than oh, yeah. the actual product. And like you said, That's Bill Umsden is one of the, the forefront guys when it comes to wood management. Wood management was something that I really don't think a lot of people had a lot of thought of. Unless you're a teenager. You know, for, well... <laughs> For you know, for the last hundred years or so, and you know, as as science has gotten better and they've gotten better at producing better whiskey, they've you know they've discovered that you know the cask itself is responsible for the vast majority of the flavor that you're getting, and through proper wood management, they can you know turn out just you know, some really stellar spirits. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, you know that 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 that's the key these days is wood management. Cool. Well, uh, so let's do a little bit of some power rating because we do have a lot of products to get through today. So uh, let's just start right off with the original. Pre- pretty quick, easy overview of the Glenmore G10. Harmeet, you're going to, I think, uh, you're going to start. Bob's going to start. I forgot. Start. Uh, uh, we don't know who's okay. going to start. Right. I'm you start off with the I'll original. just start talking. Okay. So the Glenmore G10 year old is their base spirit, like I said, for their main, ca- for their main line, which is, you know, the, the La Santa, the Quinto Ruban, the Nectar d'Or. But uh, basically, the, and this also is uh, the main uh, spirit for some of the private editions as well, which we'll talk about later. But uh, like I said, when they've got these very tall stills that are over 26 feet high, uh, 7.9 meters. So they've got this lighter, more floral uh, white spirit coming out. And then they get 10 years in American white oak that have been, aged to, been used to age American bourbons. And that bourbon cask, uh, and the combination of that bourbon cask gives you, and the, the spirit itself gives you the scent of the citrus, white peaches, and a lot of vanilla. And the vanilla is all that American oak we're talking about. So when I smell that, it, really, it's, it's just vanilla and citrus and barley. It's a clean, sweet, light style of scotch that's, it's, I mean, for a 10-year-old, it's phenomenal, but it's still a 10-year-old, so my rating was a three. Interesting. Cool. Bob, what do you think about the original? And, and like you said, it's it's the basis of a comparison to all the stuff that they make. Um, and, and usually that product is, you know, not the best product that, that they offer, you know, when they're enhancing the other ones. But uh, the 10-year the Guanmarge is something I always have in the house, always. Mm-hmm. It's a great scotch. Um, it's, you know, light citrus, very floral. Um, it's a good introductory scotch for people who I, are I new agree to completely. it. I agree completely. It's a wonderful scotch yeah. to get people yeah. into scotch. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it, and it's... You, you, you know no matter what planet you're on, no matter what continent, no matter what you city, you pick it. up a bottle of that, you know what you're getting. Yeah. You know, it's it's a great spirit. I give it a good solid three. Mm. How about that? Well, uh, so the one thing uh, through our background was we didn't really actually talk about the classification for this scotch. So this is a Highland scotch. We've talked, you know, in past episodes about... You know, a wide variety of uh, the regions of Scotland. You know, you have the Islas, you have uh, Highlands, you have uh, um, Northern. Town. Yeah. Yeah. So you Poland, have Islands. Um, so you have all these. Uh, and Speyside is part of the Highlands. That's, that's the problem with me and Highlands. Highland is too variable. Yeah. Highland is a huge area. You it's have huge. Speyside Highlands. It's the meaty have, part of you uh, have Scotland. The, you have the Western Highlands. Yeah. Western Highlands taste more like Island and Isla. Speyside Highland is what most people think about. That's well, square footage-wise, I mean, hi, uh, the Highland is yeah. absolutely the largest region, you know, yeah. of yeah. Uh, all the Scotch regions. So, uh, the thing that uh, I love about the original is exactly that. When people ask me for a reference standard for a Highland Scotch, 
this is right there on my list of the top three for a reference standard for Highland Scotch. It is, uh, um, it's very balanced. Uh, the there's just this is probably a bit more floral. The uh, elements of wood are very pronounced uh, in this. Um, the peat, uh, if there is there barely is no peat, if there's barely any peat in this at all, what, uh, what you're tasting is, is the the local water, and that yeah, the, the yeah. peat from Speyside is so so minor yeah. compared to what you get on the west, western side. It's it's not really peat. Yeah. So the the two pronounce uh, pronounce uh, the most. Uh, common elements for me are the floral component in the wood in Glenmorangie, a very solid three. Um, it's a really great uh, product and widely available. And uh, I put it in the hands of a lot of people saying, start here. So it also makes great cocktails. Yeah, it does. Well, let's move right along to uh, the next product in our lineup, which is the uh, sherry finish, which is... La Santa. The La Santa, yes. I, I knew I was going to say it wrong. Uh, so, Bob, you're going to introduce this product for us. Yeah, the La Santa, they basically take the basic Glenmorangie, and then the, this is uh, finished for an additional two years in uh, Oloroso and PX Sherry Cast from Jerez, Spain. Uh, it's Jerez. Jerez, sorry. I'm from South Florida. Do you really think I know this? Yeah. Uh, La Santa is Gaelic for warmth and passion, uh, a reminder not just of the Spanish provenance of these casks, but also a reflection of the expressions rich and soft texture um it's non-chill filtered has great mouthfeel um on the nose I, it's it's very warm you you absolutely pick up the sherry notes on this um really really nice a uh, bit of honey a little bit of toffee a slight bit of cocoa um on the palate the the sherry is definitely forefront which is something that i really like in a, in, in a scotch um slight bit of uh, citrus on the back palate uh, a little bit of nuts, a little bit of butterscotch. It's got a good long finish. This is one of my favorites of their line. I give it a good solid four. That's classified. Yeah. And I'm I'm going to agree wholeheartedly with Bob. This is one of my favorites. Lasanta is the alternative to your Macallan 12-year-old. Macallan 12-year-old is often spoiled by too much sherry or too much sulfur from the barrels. They're, they're, they have quali- I think they have problems with their management and the quality of the barrels I think I, I, I've talked to these guys over and over again and, and it's not me Jim Murray who writes whiskey bibles also had the same problem and um, they deny it they say they have the best barrels blah 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 but they make so much whiskey Len Morgie makes a lot less they make their own damn barrels and the um, the two year old sherry cast the, 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 their barrel selection is very good I think two years in sherry rather than like a McCallum which is a full 12 years in the sherry cask it's more subtle. It's not over the top with the sherry. The nuttiness, the sweetness, the chocolate-covered raisins, it all comes out. Uh, and it's a definite four for me as well. That's classified. Well, uh, so you really kind of almost stole a bit of uh, my thunder uh, for the tasting notes, which is, I was headed right you there. You bastard. <laughs> I didn't see your notes, man. No, no, no I, you know. Uh, I hope you're so happy. You said exactly the same thing I was headed. You didn't which is, bring enough for everybody, did so you? I think that there are a lot of people that really think that the best presentations of scotch are when they have, you know, elements of sherry finish. And, 
you know, there's some of me that I agree with with that approach and that statement at times. Sometimes I just want to roll my eyes and go, really? Are you that shallow that you can't just taste the product as it is without it, you know, having some element of a finish, you know, from a fortified, you know, product of some kind. Like sherry that much. Have a sherry. Yeah. 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 That's kind of where, you know, I was headed. But I think that it's very easy to draw comparisons and saying, you know, well, how does this stack up against other, you know, sherry finished products? Uh, and absolutely, the McAllen, you know, was right where the I was headed as well. Most famous one, right? You know, I think that, and and I agree that uh, I think that it masks a ton of flaws, you know, in the McAllen. And in this case, I, I like the fact that it complements, you know, what's actually going on with the underlying Scotch here. The star of the show of the Lasanta is the Scotch. The sherry is there as a very nice companion. It's holding the backdrop that holds it, it up. It is absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it is. It is not overshadowing what is going on here. It's really just allowing uh, the presentation of a great product in a softer, you know, format, allowing people to drink this neat. Um, where maybe with the uh, original, um, they would you know combine it in a cocktail or you know frankly dilute it or something like this. This is a really great product. Yeah, I I don't you know me I I'm not into always everything having yeah. meat. I do like a couple drops of water with this, and but this has got enough sherry. And if you're one of those people who likes their scotch on the rocks, definitely do it here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, really solid product, and my uh, sips rating for La Santa is uh, four as well. That's so a really great start and uh, wow, a great setup as well. And I, I, I love the order that all this is going in because welcome to the Wild Wild West. <laughs> so right, our, keep, our next one. Uh, let's, how many times can we count here? Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, I don't cinco, know what, are, are, seis, siente. This is not the one in five. You have four. I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. What is going on? What is going on? I'm confused. Why are you counting? You're right. Uh, is there a bomb? Is there a bomb? It's Quinta <laughs> Ruban, not, no, not a Quattro Ruban. Oh, Quinta. Oh, it was counting up, not counting down. I am sorry, yes. <laughs> Next up is uh, Quinta Ruban, and Harmit is going to introduce this product for us. Oh, Jesus. Um, Jesus is more than just my gardener. He's, uh, I'm sorry. Um, it's your wife's boyfriend, I thought. I'm just saying. That's the pool boy. He's the pool boy. <laughs> no, the pool boy's Ramon. That's my wife's boyfriend. Yeah, as long as you know. There was a touch of sarcasm, as he said. <laughs> no, that's, that's not sarcasm. I don't know. He shows up. She's real happy for the rest of the weekend. Let me tell you something about Glenn Moranji Quinta Ruba. This is a very dark, intense whiskey. Because it gets the first... You've got the 10 years of the American White Oak with the bourbon... And then they transfer this to ruby port pipes. Port pipes are what they call the small barrels that they age in port casts. The smaller ones, they're pipes. So port pipes from Portugal, and I don't know which whose port they're buying, but whatever they're buying, it's, it's, it's great. The color is a little bit darker in the bottle, but when you put it in the glass, it's just beautiful red. It's just amazing. And the flavors are, you know, mint and chocolate and orange and sandalwood and walnut. It's all there. There's a little bit of pepper and spice. I can't really quite get every... I can't pull it out, but it's one of my favorite whiskeys in the world. I just wish I had more of it. I've been sold out for three weeks at my store, but uh, apparently deliveries on Tuesday, kids. 
I love this stuff. It's I give it a solid five. Oh my goodness! Yes! Bob, what do you think about uh, Quinta Rubon? Uh, not to sound like a parrot, but basically everything that Harmeet said. Uh, I, wa- you know, I, I, I love some of the wine finished, and, and I agree with you. Sometimes people are just way too into the finished whiskeys. You know, why don't you just drink the whiskey? But, you know, one of my favorite bourbons is, is Angel's Envy, which is a port-finished bourbon. Mm. And one of my favorite scotches is the Quinta Rubon. The, the port in this, again, it doesn't mask, it just enhances. The flavor on this is just off the chart. Um, one of my favorites, I always keep a bottle of this in the house. In fact, I have a bottle that Dr. Bill signed for me a couple of years ago that I keep refilling with other bottles because I don't want to throw it away. I said I was away. out. I have a signed bottle. I'm not yeah. selling that one. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I keep refilling it. So, um, you know, the, the flavor on this thing is off the hook. It's, you know, just a really well done whiskey. The, the port finish comes through. You get that bit of raisiny wine on the back end. Um, it's luscious, grapey, just uh, you know, an excellent whiskey. Um, I got to agree. I give it a five. Oh, my goodness. Yes! 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 Well, uh, I'm probably the only one here at the table that's trying this for the first time. <laughs> um, I literally, I'm, I, I've never... I don't recall... Seriously. I don't recall tasting this. I probably have, you know, and I was probably power tasting, you know, like 50 other things that same day. Um, but um, I don't know. It's just something about this taste profile that uh, it's not like ringing a bell going, you've had this before. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is uh, very different. Um Especially very different than the first two products that we tried. Um, I have to disagree with Bob. I, you know, I've had a lot of port, and uh, this is doesn't have like the full presentation, you know, of port off this. I can get a lot of chocolate, you know, coming off of this, or something that's kind of headed down, you know, that path of uh, almost having that bitterness and chocolate. So um, no, it's not as heavy as a real port. It's only two yeah. years. It's a, it's a definite yeah. whiskey. I'm going to give it a four. That's classified. I don't know. Something about it. Well, listen, uh, that uh, covers uh, our first three products for today. Uh, so we've covered uh, several things. We've got three more products to talk about. Hopefully, we'll have enough time to get to all these. We'll be right back right after this break with more discussion on Glenn Morangy. Fron Sips, Suds, and Smokes at the Gator Club in Sarasota, Florida today.
Before we begin, I think we should warn you that this isn't really a story about whiskey. It's a story about wood. A story that sees us scour the world in search of the perfect casks for maturing our whiskies. First stop, the US of A. Aye, it is rather a long way to go for a bit of oak. But when you find out that two-thirds of the flavour comes from the cask, you understand why we go to all that trouble. Now, once these casks finally arrive in Tain, no doubt happy to have been released from their brief four-year stint carrying and being seasoned by bourbon or Tennessee whisky, we fill them with our own spirit before locking them away for at least ten years. Where, in the dark solitude, the wood works its magic on our house style. Glen Morangie original. But that's not the end of the story, for there's far more to the art of maturing than the creation of our flagship whisky. You see, although most of our extra matured whiskies begin life as the original, each one has been finished for a further two years in a specially selected cask. Glenmorangie Quinta Ruban, extra matured in port casks from Portugal. Glenmorangie Nectar d'Or in Sauternes casks from France. And Glenmorangie La Santa in Oloroso casks from Spain. Each borrowing subtleties of flavour from the cask's previous resident. It's a process our whisky creation team practically invented over 20 years ago. Travelling all over the world, searching, testing, experimenting, and only in a handful of cases, accepting casks that formerly carried Chateau Margaux, Claret, Burgundy, and many more. Hey, welcome back to Sips, Suds, and Smokes. Here on this Sips episode today, we're going a distiller's takeover. We're covering a full product lineup from Glenmorangie, and we've uh, covered uh, three great products. I just went through uh, Quinta Ruban and uh, still can't quite figure out. It's like a chocolate or a high wood or something dusty or just, you know, it's like Chocolate something. and raisins, but know. not like a sherry. Yeah. It's not like a sherry and definitely not like a port. I'm, it's not headed down to the land of raisins, but there's something very earthy, you know, about it. I am, I am going to, this, that's going to crawl at me, you know, probably. I just need to get on to the next product. Now I'll figure it out later. So, Bob, why don't you uh, cover... It's the, good that it stays with you. This is a good thing. This yeah. is a good thing. I, yeah. I know. I'm, I'll get through it. Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> nectar nectar Door. All right. Our next product is Glenmorangie's Nectar Door. Um, this is basically a Glenmorangie that's been finished in wine barriques from Sauternes, which is a very famous wine region. Some of the most expensive wine in France comes from there. There's... There's, you know, rumors as to what winery it comes from. I'm not saying. Um, it's an ancient wine-growing region of France. It makes very sweet white wines um, that age absolutely and magnificently for decades and decades and decades. Um, again, this is one that I really, really love. You get a, a good bit of citrus up front. In the nose, a little bit of coconut, a little bit of spice, nutmeg, a slight bit of cinnamon in the back. On the palate, I'm getting, uh, you're getting that sweet wine note. You're getting a little bit of almond. You're getting uh, uh, just 
mouth coating feel. You can definitely tell that this is a sauterne from that, that honey feel that you get in the mouth. Um, very long finish on it. A little bit of, a uh, little bit, just light bit of cocoa in the back. Um, really great, great whiskey. I give it a four. Wow, how about that? Mm. Bob, I don't know where you're getting that cocoa from. I think you're tasting the previous whiskey. I love Nectar d'Or, but um, not as much as my wife. This is this is her favorite whiskey. Well, I've said, and I don't love Nectar d'Or as much as I love my wife. It goes both ways. <laughs> it's all right. She likes it more than she likes you too. So there you go. Wait, I, you think she'd get half or three quarters, Bob? <laughs> if if I was representing her, she'd get it all. So you yeah. know, <laughs> my wife. This is my wife's favorite whiskey. How's that? Um, she would give it a five, but let's go on. Uh, I agree with Bob with the honeyed notes, and you can tell from the weight of the whiskey that it's, it's, it's finished in a nice sauterne barrel. I don't get any botrytis. I was expecting more botrytis from this, I'm, like at least the nose of it, right? That's but a No, yeah, it's, you, you don't pick up It's you don't latent. Pick that up. I mean, it's, it's yeah. very, very, it's deep buried You're in there. You're picking up I mean, the syrupy sweet. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but I've, I've had but in that. different bottles. I've had the Botrytis smell too. Oh, well, you know, it's but cast, maybe it's also how the long the bottle's been open and all that good stuff. Mm. But um, what I really pick up on the finish, rather than the cocoa that you got, was ginger. Yeah, yeah. and I love that spice. I love the honey up front. It's it's a solid four for me, but my wife says five. When I say cocoa, not so much chocolatey, but more a cocoa butter, just on the back end. Hmm. Now, like. Like you've licked a girl who in a tanning bed? What's that mean? <laughs> Baby. <laughs> so there's high praise for this whiskey. I'm telling you, this show needs something. I gotta have more cowbell, baby. <laughs> Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. That's right. You know, we're having some whiskey here, and it's it's really nice, because I like it. Scotch is good. Meatballs, I like them, but mice don't. <laughs> not bad. So Why? How, how do you do no, that? Bob, four, here you go. Four Bob. That was sometimes they're round, and there you go. sometimes they're not. <laughs> No, I gotta give myself. All right, for the nectar door. Uh, my own tasting notes on this very different than a lot of the other things that we've had. I think the one thing that uh, catches me with this is definitely the presentation of uh, pepper uh, in this that you know I didn't have at all in uh, some of the other products that were more floral, uh, you know, coming across. Um, the uh, the, there's something about the element of the sweetness in this that is uh, markedly, you know, distinct. And I think part of it is the Sauterne, you know, uh, definitely washing over this. And this is probably one of those cases where I, I'm not quite sure if this was the original that they started with and actually dropped it in a uh, Sauterne barrel. Is that what happened here? Or it's the original ten-year-old with two years in Sauternes. So this is so this is one of those cases where I think that it has markedly changed a lot of the base product uh, with the Sauternes barrel uh, in a good way. Um, I think that it it's it's not fair to say that 
this is something that's better than the original or is, you know, above or beyond or was doing something, you know, markedly different. It's a very distinctive, you know, product all by itself. I really love really great Sauternes. Um, and I really do love. You Were you know, looking for the botrytis? Was you looking for that flavor? You know, I think just because I knew that it was, you know, finished off in a Sauternes barrel. You were absolutely, for it. I was. Yeah. I was looking for it, and it was like, hmm, gee, there's nobody home here. But yeah. there are a bunch of other things that are kind of happening with this as well. Uh, uh, like I said, I've had other bottles. Like we, the sample we're tasting, thanks to David Blackmore of Glenmorangie. Yeah. Uh, thank you, David. This bottle has been open for a while, so again, more air, the whiskey changes. Absolutely. Uh, it's really coming around. I, it's definitely uh, pepper, sweet. There's a lot of wood that's being presented here as well. The Sautern is definitely uh, you know, the, the star of this show. I'm giving it a solid four. Um, you know. That's classified. So let's move right on along here. Uh, so the next product we have to talk about is one of the... Private products, right? Or uh, Companta. Yeah. Companta. Companta, This yes. is private edition. Private edition, yeah. So, private edition products have been going on for, I think, six years. I, I wish I had this uh, to hand, but my Wi-Fi connection died, so I couldn't look this up. I f- forgot. I've sold several private editions. Uh, they started, I think, with the PX Sonalta, Pedro Jimenez finish, and, and they've done so many different ones. Um, 2014 Whiskey of the Year from... Um, uh, uh, Jim Murray was the Elanta, which was a 19-year-old Glenmorangie. That one that was, was fabulous. That I still have some, by the way. I bought so much of that stuff. Nobody else in Florida has it. I still have some. I'm, I'm doing a shameless plug for my store. Yeah. Anyway, fine spirits in Cooper City. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Elanta was 2014's Whiskey of the Year, and that was a 19-year-old. Right, and it was finished 100% in virgin American oak that, from their own cooperage in the Ozarks. Um, so bourbon casks, or basically virgin casks that could have been used for bourbon, they used for scotch instead. So private edition, they do, they've done six or seven releases now, and Companta was last year's release. And this was a different one, and Dr. Bill is loving the wine casks. The, the previous year before that was Artine, which was finished with, from Super Tuscan casks, and the dirty little rumor was they were buying Sasakaya casks. Again, nothing you can confirm. And if you know Sasakaya, you know $300 plus for this wine. So, but uh, the, um, oh, Bob is wonderful and just handed me the list. Sonalta was Pedro Jimenez. Finalta my, my was a smoky one. My favorite of the private one. edition. I love the Sonalta. Yeah, I love Sonalta. Is amazing. People I've, are paying on the on the gray market. Sonalta is through the roof. I bought everyone in Florida. Artine was Sasakaya cask Bariques, They said Elanta was the Virgin Oak. Companta was last year. I'm sorry, the year before last, which was this is red wine Bariques from uh, Clos de Tarte in Burgundy and and wines from Cote de Rhone. So you've got two parts of France in this uh, Companta. And then after Companta was Toussaint, which was uh, the special, which was focused on barley. That was last year. It was Marisol bar- barley. And then we have uh, the next one after that was Milchan. So before we go to Milchan, Milchan let's do this Companta again. So this is two-year-old, uh, the release private edition from two years, ago, two years ago. Red wine barrels. It needs, just like a beautiful red wine, it needs time to open up. Pour this one in your glass and give it some time to breathe. And it's yeah. all about the berries. Yeah. Red berries, pepper. Remember, Clos de Tarte is Pinot Noir. So you're getting those notes right there. 
raspberry and sour cherries. It's it's a little bit dry on the finish, but the vanilla and citrus is underneath from that 10-year-old. It's all there. And I give this a good four. I almost said three because I don't love this as much as the other ones. Uh, what do you think about uh, the Companta? Well, I like I like it a little better than Harm. I, you know, the, the the berry comes through from the wine. Um, you know, I'm picking up red berry jam and peppery spice on the nose, uh, raspberries, sour cherries, uh, light bit of citrus up front. It's it's a little earthy in the back. You can tell that this is red wine because it gets that earthiness to it. Um, it's got a and, great and on retasting. I agree with you. The pepper's yeah. there. I just and it, and, and, and as Harm says, this is one of the ones. This is honestly of all the private edition ones this is the one that when I drink this I pour it in the glass and I leave the room I let it sit for a good 20 minutes before I even think about it and I learned that one the hard way after going through a bottle um, this one definitely needs the air and once you get that air it really really opens up and surprises you can really get that red wine note in the back um, a good solid whiskey I really really enjoyed this one and and today for some reason I'm just I'm, I'm really rocking on this one a lot today uh, I give it a four Wow about I thought that. you were gonna go for a five I'm about four and a half so I round down yeah I was three and a half to four yeah. so well I'm gonna power rate this so we even have a chance to talk about the Milchan. So, you know, um, Claude de Tart, I, you know, it's a bucket of jam. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, exactly. I'd say it, but I mean, that's, that's what I'm tasting here as well. Um, I, this is, I am not a fan of this. Uh, it is... You're confused. It is. It's not yeah. Pinot Noir, but it it's is, Scotch. It is not my jam. <laughs> How about that? Um, I just... You know, having raspberries in my whiskey does not work. Uh, that just uh, that does not work. So I, I'm going to give it a three, okay? Um, it, it does not suck. Uh, it's just, I don't know, there's something out of sync. I, knowing the profile of Clodetard and knowing uh, that jam profile, this does not, does not belong. These two things do not work in the glass together, so... Let's move along and talk about the uh, Milshine as much as we can here. Okay. Our, uh, who's going to introduce this? Uh, Bob's up. Yep. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh, the Milshine is the most recent uh, release of the private edition. Um, basically, it's ex-bourbon casks and then extra-matured and uh, former wine casks uh, that have been toasted uh, after they've been drained. Um, that toasting tends to uh, caramelize the wood sugars a good bit. And the wine. And the wine. Um, this one... The nose on this, I mean, if you look at the bottle, it's red and white. It's got red and white stripes, like a like a like a candy cane, like a circus tent yeah, or a like bag a, of popcorn. And and I think I think the the, the packaging is definitely belies what you're going to get. Extremely sweet. Um, it may not be for everyone. I enjoy it. Uh, very very sweet up front. I get a lot of uh, candy flavors. I get a lot of. Uh, Light caramel on the back end, a little bit of uh, a little bit of fruit, a little bit of plum. Um, I get some candied orange peel. I get some cherries on the back end. This this one to me, this is this is a dessert scotch to me. Um, it's got a got a decent finish on it. I don't it. know if it's dessert, but I know I killed a bottle the other night at the end of the night. So well, it was the know. last bottle. Yeah. Okay. Well, that you know that's you. <laughs> um, I, I I really like this one a lot. I give it a four. That's classified. Wow. 
interesting start. How many would you think about Milchon? I love everything about this whiskey except the finish. I it's got everything up front, beautiful yeah. nose, candied fruit, a sweetness that I like. And I'm I, I'm a big smoky whiskey guy too. Don't get me wrong. I do love big smoky iodiney medicinal whiskeys occasionally, but this is the opposite spectrum. I'm not expecting anything like that. There's no peat here. This is all about candied fruit and um, vanilla and orange. It's gorgeous, but it falls short on the finish. So instead of a five, I have to give it a four. That's classified. Yeah, so uh, actually, so that joke that I was talking about, David, uh, we were actually tasting the Milshine <laughs> and toasting with the Milshine, uh, and he was holding up his left hand as we were doing that. And I thought this was uh, probably one of the more interesting, you know, products, um, you know, in this entire flight. Fairly inter- uh, new product, you know, coming around. Um, I think the thing I love about the Milshine is I think that it is really hitting the middle part of the palate. I think it's going to uh, oh, yeah. absolutely agree to a very wide audience. And uh, I'm going to give it a solid four. It's just uh, really great. It just falls short of a five for me. It does. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's... It and that's and you hit it on the head. It's the it's the finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a uh, really uh, fantastic uh, lineup here for uh, Glenn Morangy today, covering uh, all these really great products. You should definitely uh, check out a bunch of them for yourself. They've Hope got more we didn't taste, too. They've oh, absolutely. Yeah. We'll come back around and talk about more products from uh, Glenn Morangy in a future episode. Really hope you enjoyed this episode today. You can catch all of our episodes online as well on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, PRX, and Spreaker, our native media host. iTunes and our own Android app are the easiest ways to enjoy the show on your phone. Just search for Sip, Suds, and Smokes on iTunes or in the Google Play Store. Hope your feedback uh, reaches uh, us online. <laughs> you can reach us anytime at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. I had too much milshine. Anyway, our daily tasting notes uh, flow out on Twitter every single day. Our handle is epsipsubsmokes.com. At Smokes. Yeah, thank you. Our Facebook app is always buzzing with lots of news. And uh, we'll see you again on another episode in the future. This has been a one tan hand production of Sip, Suds, and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your hosts, the good old boys, will see you all next time.